Welcome back to Never Christmas Tell the Podcast. This is season three, episode three. It's the third installment to our series, very entertaining, but it's over now, where I take you into the world of how everything fell apart, <laughs> the world of my divorce. Um, and I am just so comfortable sharing now because I've let go a lot of the shame and embarrassment surrounding it because I have nothing to be ashamed of and I have nothing to be embarrassed about. He, on the other hand, (laughs) so let's get back into it. So last I left y'all, you heard about my little bump in the road, (laughs) quite literally. Um, That's not funny. I shouldn't laugh. It it definitely wasn't funny then. I can kind of laugh about it now. Um, Look, I did my time. I had a consequence. I served my five days. I don't know if you all know, but Louisiana has a mandatory cooling off period for all domestic violence incidents. Quote unquote. I wish y'all could see my air quotes. Domestic violence because I was the one being violent. Okay. I mean, I wasn't right, but (laughs) all the shit I had endured, like especially that night, like it was just a lot going on. So anyway, because I had never been in any kind of trouble ever in my life. My attorney really thought that I could just go in there and get myself booked when I turned myself in. And like we knew I probably wouldn't see a commissioner over the weekend. So we were hoping that since it was after Thanksgiving that someone would come in. And they did. I saw the commissioner like within an hour or two of being in there. So the hope was my bill would be set and I would leave. But then we found out about the mandatory five day cooling off period because the state never wants to be responsible for an abuser being let go. Right. Bail being set. And then they go and kill someone because that happened. And so in 2014, Louisiana lawmakers passed a bill to require the accused in a domestic violence incident to sit for five days to cool off. Um, to hopefully protect the alleged victim. So I sat for five days, but y'all, I don't know if I said last time, this asshole was dumb enough to cheat with somebody at work. Anybody who knows us knows he worked in the facility where I had to go to jail. And so that means, so did she. Now granted, I didn't need to see either of them while I was in jail because they were in the hospital. Um, but they did get out of the hospital at a certain point while I was doing my little five days and she was trying to come to work, but she couldn't be anywhere near me. She could not be anywhere near me. Um, so they made sure that didn't happen. She also, she was having some trouble walking, you know, because of her little accident. Um, so that, that worked out. And then once I leave, now remember, I turned myself in the the day after Thanksgiving and I was a teacher. And so the plan was for on Monday for me to go to work. But I had to come up with some reasons to provide my job that I wouldn't be able to go there. Also, keep in mind that I was pregnant. So it wasn't so far off for me to be like, hey this happened can't come without revealing to my job what was really going on well everything was all squared away I wasn't gonna have any 
issues with my job until this bitch called my job. She called the school, not only the school where I worked and was teaching, but the school where my children were going to school. I understand that I did something that I should not have done and that there were consequences, but this was just her being petty. Um, and so she called them and she said, I want y'all to know why Miss Tappas not at work. And this is what happened. So I get called into my middle school principal's office because I was teaching middle school at the time. And he's like, this is what you're being told. Is this true? So I had to go and explain everything to my employer about the affair and me being attacked and the type of woman he was cheating with because she was real hood trash like gutter still is and I'm not saying that because she cheated with my then husband I'm saying that because she's legitimately a terrible person who comes from nothing and is total garbage um and I'm saying that for all of the things that happened after I found out, okay, you're going to cheat. People cheat. That wasn't going to make me happy. It was going to be hard for me to deal with either way. But to cheat with someone who then has the audacity to fight with me and all the other things. Yeah, that just that wasn't cool. That didn't work out well for me. I, I It just didn't feel good. I was like, you couldn't even cheat up, nigga. Like, what is going on here? So anyway, I dealt with all the things I had to deal with and slowly word started getting around that something was going on. Y'all know New Orleans ain't but that big, right? So one of our former classmates was also working in law enforcement at the time, except she was on the on the street, you know, and so she had heard about everything going on. And so I called her because at this point, I need to know, like, this is before I turn myself in. I just wanted to know, is there a warrant out for my arrest? What is it for? And she was very helpful. She said there was a warrant out for my arrest, felony assault and battery on a peace officer because he worked in law enforcement. So it's like, fuck. I go from never being in any trouble, having anything on my record to having a warrant out for my arrest for a felony. And I knew that there was no ignoring that. So I knew I'd have to go turn myself in and get it taken care of. Um, but yeah. I knew that calling her meant that it would get out, right, among our circle. Um, and so it did. And so I started to get calls from people like, what's going on? I started to get messages and DMs. And, you know, of course, I heard that, you were arrested like what is going on and i just at the time i wasn't i'm i'm just being real i know this sound real fucked up i was not ashamed of what i did because i felt completely justified in what i did but i was ashamed to i was embarrassed by what he had done to me right and that i had allowed him to take me there um and so i shut down i shut down and i blocked off everybody with the exception of a few people and those people really were my rock in getting through um that time so on the final day of me being in there i go before the judge in the courtroom and y'all they put like 
shackles on my feet so I wouldn't run. Like the most humiliating. I am almost seven months pregnant at the time. I've on handcuffs, handcuffs, shackles on my feet. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, my mom had to see that and that was really hard for her. Um, but I had prepared to go in there like, y'all, just picture it right now. Those of you who know how I look like jailhouse braids. <laughs> like I really got my hair braided back because um, I knew I was going to be in there. And I just didn't want to have to worry about, you know, doing my hair. I <clears throat> had been told by Bozo, the clown that I was married to, that it was going to be cold. I'm anemic. I'm always cold. So I brought uh, sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And um, I was standing before the judge and telling my account of what happened. And the judge was like, what the fuck is going on? He was really like, this is insane. Like, this is some crazy shit. He, he said, this is a ridiculous story. He was like, I just, it, he was dumbfounded. Um, so my lawyer is reminding the judge that I'm a teacher and I'm a pillar in the community and I've done ABC and XYZ. And I've never been in any trouble and that I was attacked and I was provoked and all these things. And the judge is like, you're right. So we're going to take all of that into account and set her bail. And, you know, essentially she can go home until her court date. Y'all, why in that moment does the side chick, her mom, who's sitting in the back of the court, start yelling out to the judge nah fuck that how she could just get away with what she did to my baby like going off in court y'all the most ghetto shit i'm telling y'all y'all think i'm joking when i talk about the kind of girl this is like just the quality of woman and listen i'm all for women's empowerment pro-black women like i'm that girl people who know me like y'all know i'm not lying however in a comma (laughs) this was a whole nother this is a special case all right so just me telling you the actions of her mother should kind of reveal the type of person this is and what she comes from and so she's like y'all gonna let her out and she did this to my baby and that to my baby mind you the vehicle never hit her child it hit my then husband and his big ass fell on that hoe that ain't my bro I'm sorry. Anyway, I mean, I guess it is my problem. I did do it, but y'all know what I'm saying. Like, y'all all woe is me, but she didn't even get hit, you know? But that was just them trying to lay it on thick so that I could get into more trouble. Like, even after this, when the trial got underway and I would have to talk to, like, the DA and all of that, she was really pushing because at this point, my ex never pressed charges or decided to cooperate with the police or anything like that. But she wanted to say that I caused her injuries directly. Like she said that the vehicle hit her and it never did. And then she tried to get documentation from her doctor stating as much. And even her doctor said her injuries were due to the impact of a very heavy person falling on her. Like, her doctor said the car never hit her 
that her injuries were not consistent with being hit by a vehicle. So like, dummy, why would you even give that to the court if you know it doesn't go with the story you're trying to tell? Like you, that, your narrative, it ain't adding up. But anyway, um, the judge was like, you know, ma'am, calm down to her mother yelling like a banshee in the back of the room. So they sat my bail and everything and we had already prepared for that and, you know, gotten money together and stuff. And at the end, my mom told me this after the fact, she went to try to talk to the girl's mom. She, my mom said she went up to her, Lord, I don't know why my mama did this. Like, she, my mom is a licensed clinical social worker. She deals with riffraff all the time. She knew or should have known it wasn't going to end well. But my mom goes up to her and is like, look, I just want to talk to you mother to mother because of what our children are dealing with right now and what they're going through. And that woman went off on my mama. Bitch, you ain't talking to me, woman to woman. And mother to mother, I beat your ass too. Like going off. So, you know, my mom is very poised and polished and educated, etc. But <laughs> my mama is also about that life. Like my mama is from the projects. That's why I said I'm not judging this girl and her family, but like, whatever. Anyway, something clicked in my mom and my mama was like, well, bitch, I tried to talk to you like you got some sense, but obviously you ain't got none. You so worried about your baby, you should have taught her not to open her legs and fuck somebody's husband. Yeah, my mama like went in <laughs> at that point. So then she walked away because my mom ain't about to get in trouble, especially in Jefferson Parish. Like we actually have something to lose in our lives. Um, so my mom walked away from it and was just like, for, for him to bring somebody like this and this type of chaos into y'all's world, a world that does not exist with that type of chaos and drama, it's fucked up, you know, and she's right. So I get out later that night and I go home, um, as in home, home, like to my mom's home and just start the process of rebuilding my life and putting the pieces back together as best I could. This is also a time of my life where I began to recognize the power and the importance of my relationships with women. Meaning my friendships began to blossom and flourish in a way that I never imagined. I had always had mostly guy friends, straight or gay, whatever. I just vibed more with men because I had been so jaded, I think, from childhood by girls. That's another podcast for another day, but just bullying culture and what it does to us as women. <laughs> I, I got to talk about that one, but let me write that down. Um, but I had girlfriends that were my friends, but I never took the time to cultivate many of those relationships. But some of those women, I didn't even need to reach out to them. They reached out to me. And initially I was, as I said, so jaded and guarded that I was like, they just want the tea. They just want to know what's going on. Everybody knows something's happening. 
with me and him and people just trying to be in my business. And I'm not 100% going to say that that might not have been the initial reason for reaching out. Like, shit, I'm nosy too. <laughs> but those women proved themselves to really be for me, you know? Shout out Hillary. Shout out Brianna. Shout out Janique. Shout out Whitney and Sheena. If I'm missing anybody, blame my head and not my heart. But those women, granted, like I said, were already my friends. But really, legitimately stepped it up in a way that I hadn't allowed my women friends to do in years. And they weren't going for any of that shit. They were like, like me keeping them at a distance. They weren't going for it. Shout out to Dominique. Um, they just weren't having it. They were like, bitch, this what you need. This what the babies need. We here. And I began to really embrace that. And they are still my sisters today, even if we don't speak as often because life, <laughs> right? And even if at times it has to be discussed and worked through like, hey, we aren't only in each other's lives when things aren't going so great, but you know, I love you, you're my sister, let's, let's talk. Um, they're here. And I am now getting to a better space in my life where I try to be a better friend than I was able to be to them during that time period of my life. I'm not perfect. Something else I'm working on that in itself is also another podcast episode for another day. <laughs> um, but going through what I went through with my ex, definitely allowed me to forge a bond with some women that I didn't think was possible. And to this day, I still, I now value my friendships and relationships with the women in my life more than anything else. It has been so important in my healing. Those are the women who encouraged me to do this and to use this platform. And God, it's just been so amazing. Anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox. That's another episode <laughs> that we will absolutely have to talk about. And maybe some of them will come on and join the show. I know it sounds like I'm being random, but I'm not. I say all that to say that in going through any type of loss, like a marriage or a really serious relationship, don't do it alone. And listen, I'm not a mental health professional. I can't fix anybody's life. I am not Ayala, but I've been through something. And I feel like I went through it so that I can be a voice to some women who are too afraid to speak on it or too afraid to leave. I do feel like I was meant to experience these things and have this life experience so that I could articulate it for those who couldn't. And I am saying that if you are holding on to this shame or guilt or embarrassment, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. You don't have to allow those people in your life who love you to love on you. You have to accept it or you'll drive yourself crazy. So time goes by I get out of jail I return to work 
and I um, get calls every day from my mother-in-law at the time who was battling her own thing. You know, her cancer had come back. Everyone knows this. This is not a secret. Um, And it was her second fight with cancer and it came back very aggressively, but she was always worried about me. Are you okay? Did you eat today? And a lot of time the answer was no. But I would go see her anytime I went to see her. She would like make me a smoothie. She's like, you got to have something. You got to feed the baby, you know. And so I did. But I was at the lowest adult weight, my lowest adult weight while I was pregnant with my middle daughter because of the stress, because of the depression. And I went into labor early because of that. If my daughter had been born one day prior to when she was born, she would have been considered premature. So they, she was what they called a uh, late preterm. Um, and so she was underweight. I was underweight. There was just a whole lot going on in my life to where I was not taking care of myself mentally or physically. And you would think that that was enough for me to be done. Right. But then when my mother-in-law passed away, as I've shared before, you know, we, that was one of my best friends and everyone knew that. And then of course he was losing his mother. And so we just found that comfort in our grief with each other. And I joke, I know all the time my mom says, you know, y'all could have comforted each other a different way. Like whatever happened to a hug. Um, and I, I really wish we would have done that, but then I wouldn't have my beautiful third daughter. Um, so no regrets there, but it goes to show that I wasn't completely done because if I was completely done that night never would have happened. Everything happens for a reason. I have my daughter. She's here. It is what it is. Um, but I say that to say the woman who he was dealing with got so upset that he quote had a baby on her. I wish y'all could see my air quotes. She really said that, that, Get get this right now. The side bitch said that the married man she had been cheating with for a year had a baby on her with his still wife at the time. Like, girl, the absolute fucking delusion. You know, it got to a point where I was done. I had given up. Right. And she was still harassing me because he had decided He didn't want to be with her. She thought he made that decision so that he could be with me. I'm like, girl, he ain't over here. I I said, fuck all this shit. I gave up the house. He ain't with me, sis. I don't know where he at. Probably out there with yet another one. I I don't know. But you calling and playing on my phone, you looking for him. You calling the wrong person. I, I don't know what you want from me. But she... Of course, because she didn't know him, because <laughs> I found out from them both that they didn't even know each other's first names. So a lot of jobs refer to uh, colleagues refer to each other as their last names. They didn't even know each other's first names. Uh, but that's that ain't my business. But <laughs> I found um, it hilarious that she was now looking for him. But because she barely knew him, she didn't realize what he was also dealing with mentally and emotionally. He lost his mom. And he already had mental health issues prior to that. And again, not my business to tell what his mental health issues are, but it is my business to share how it impacted me 
and the things that he did to me. And I don't give him an excuse. I don't let him use any mental health issues as an excuse because number one, nothing he's dealing with as far as his mental health is that major um, that it could even be used as an excuse. But he made a choice not to get himself treated or take care of himself consistently to keep that under control. He knew the things he did when he was having a bout of depression or anything else that was going on with him. And he knew how that hurt and impacted those around him. And he consistently chose and still chooses to not take care of himself, you know, and I find it so harmful and damaging that the people around him and I'm talking about family, the people around him who are close to him, who could have some influence over him, take the approach of that ain't my business. He's grown, right? They don't hold him accountable for anything that he does. And his mom passing was just a trigger um, that further exacerbated his behavior and no one calls him out on it. No one says, hey, you never see your children. I don't ever see you with your kids, like rarely ever. And when you do, it was Chris's idea and Chris brought them to you like, or hey, why did I hear from Chris that, you know, this is a need or that is a need? Are you not taking care of anything? Nobody questions him. And I don't want to hear anything about, you know, him being grown and that's on him 100%. But who are we as part of someone's village to not call them out on stuff. I know plenty of adult males whose friends will say to them, man, I ain't seen you with your little girl in a while. Like, where your baby? I ain't seen you with your little boy in a while. Like, <laughs> where your son? Um, you know, why your baby mama posting this online? I, I don't refer to myself as baby mama, by the way. I'm not. <laughs> um, but anyway, nobody asks, you know, why am I hearing this from Chris? Uh, you need to step up and do what you're supposed to be doing. And no, nobody can force him to do anything. But the fact that these people who claim to care about me, who I literally grew up under because I was 12 years old when I started coming around them, cannot hold him accountable and say to him, you are wrong and get your shit together. Because bottom line is he needs help. He can't do it on his own. And... No one will step in. Now, there are people I can call. Things get really bad. And I'm like, hey, I need this or the kids need that. And that's fine and dandy. But whatever happens to calling him and being like, look, I did this for your children. But you need to step it the fuck up. Nobody can do this life by themselves. And so to just be like, oh, somebody's grown or I can't tell him what to do, so it ain't out of my business. It's so harmful and so damaging and doesn't just hurt him, but it hurts my children. But that's a whole other issue and maybe another conversation for another day. I just wanted to put that out there. I think it's sad that my friends 
were the ones who held him accountable more than anyone else in his life. Not his friends, not his family. You know, my best friend had to come in town from Houston to pull him aside for a one-on-one conversation. And that conversation wasn't meant to change him or force him to do anything, but it was for her to get a sense of understanding. And it was her place. It was her business because when he stopped taking care of things, taking care of me, taking care of the kids, taking care of bills, she stepped in, she and her husband. And so, yeah, she pulled him aside one day and I hadn't expressed to anyone before she said this. I hadn't even expressed it to her, but she pulled him aside one day and they had a heart to heart and he cried. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them tears. Anyway, um, cause the best apology to me is changed behavior. And at that point there was no changed behavior. But anyway, I think he felt like somebody was like holding him to the fire at the time. So he cried when he talked to her. And when she was done with that conversation, she came to me and said something that I had been feeling for a while and had never expressed to anyone. And it was validation for me. It was confirmation for me. She said, Chris, that's not him. And I immediately felt chills. And she said, that is not him. I looked him in his eyes and that is not him. He is not himself. He seems possessed. And I had said that to myself so many times, y'all. So many times since that very first moment that I found those text messages in my phone. If you listen to the first episode, you know what I mean. That's a callback from episode one of season three. If you haven't listened, go listen. (laughs) It's uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. But she had confirmed something I felt from that moment. The first time he cursed me out and called me out of my name. When I looked him in his eyes that day. I knew that wasn't him anymore. And I don't think I've seen that person to this day. And this was in 2017 that everything first hit the fan. September of 2017. And I've seen glimpses here and there every now and then of the person I know him to be. But for the most part, he has completely changed. And that's not him. That's who he is now. I should say that's not who I knew. I'm going to stop it there for today. I have so much more to share and I'm sure other topics will come up as you all continue to soak it all in and process and come along with me on this journey. Thank you so much for the support lately, for the responses. Continue to listen. Visit my Instagram page at Never Kristen Tell the Podcast. Same thing on Facebook. Please reply by email at neverchristensellthepodcast at gmail.com. My personal Facebook at Chris LaShawn, L-A-S-H-O-N, or my personal Instagram at ChrisLashawn22. I look forward to continuing to share and to continuing to hear from you all. See you all next time.